Next, a reading from the Gospel of Luke. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things um, begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at that fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For what will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth? Be always on the watch and pray that we may be able to escape all that is about to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. The word of our Lord. All right, good morning. How's everyone? Okay, kids, there's going to be some rocket ships on the screen from time to time, and those are cues for you guys that, to answer the questions that came in your packets. We got that? Watch for the rocket ships. Don't let them pass without you seeing them, okay? Eyes peeled right on the screen. And then sometimes on me. Great. All right, Advent. Is a, is a season where we prepare for Christmas. Anyone in this room like Christmas? Just by show of hands, this will determine the level of toys that you receive this year. Anyone in this room like Christmas? Going to need a little bigger response. Anyone in this room like Christmas? Yeah! All right, well, as excited as we are for Christmas, Advent is a season where we have to learn to wait for Christmas. Oh, sorry. bummer. Let's skip Advent and move on. So, but we, we, one of the aspects of how we wait is to wait with hope. When, you, when something you're really looking forward to is going to happen, you wait for that thing with hope. And that's what the season of Advent is in the church year. It's a season of hope, okay? So how many of you had some turkey on Thursday? Anybody? Turkey on Thursday. Of the kids, how many of your parents let you make the turkey? I see that hand. That's dangerous, folks. We live in small apartments. They can burn down, all right? So I've been learning to make turkeys over the last few years, and I started like everyone starts in our time on Google. How do you make the very best turkey in the world? That was my first search. Um, Nothing but the best. And in the methods that came through the Google to me, I have now over the past five years tried a variety of methods. I have brined turkeys, which means you drown them and submerge them in a huge five-gallon jug with sugar and water and garlic and rosemary and thyme and and let them drown for uh, for, uh, 24 hours and then you bake them. I have cooked them in baking bags. Anyone ever used a baking bag to make their turkey? Great method. Um, I've attempted to slow roast them, and I've also fried them, which is definitely the most dangerous. Um, like some like thing like thousands of people burn their homes down every year in America trying to fry turkeys. So uh, if you're going to go at that, uh, be careful. But one of the biggest parts 
of making a turkey that you don't find when you Google the recipe is a crucial aspect of how to make it. And that is, you have to wait forever. Bummer. (laughs) You have to wait for hours. And if you fiddle with it during that time, if you keep opening the oven to check on it, you actually do more harm to the preparation that that you're trying to, to make. So you have this hope. You have this vision in your mind. I know I'm going to end in a place with a beautiful turkey around a table with my family and friends talking about the things that I'm thankful for. I've got that picture in my mind, but in the process, I have to do hours and hours, long spells of waiting. So, thank you, Luke. Now, kids and adults, one of the hardest things for us to do is wait. One of the hardest things for us to do is wait and keep our hope strong. And so that's why Advent is such an important season for us, to learn that in the big God story, God is coming to rescue us, but we can't control God. We have to wait for him to reveal himself, and then we respond to him. So this morning, in the, in the Bible verses that we read, Jesus is having a conversation with some of his closest friends. They're walking in Jerusalem, and they're having a conversation together, and Jesus says some incredible things. Did you hear how that text started? Sun and moon and stars, and the ocean's going to be swirling around, and things are going to be feeling crazy. That's what Jesus is talking about. So he he says two main things. One, he says that there's a a huge building that was around in Jerusalem in the time of Jesus called the temple. How many of you kids have heard of the temple? I see that hand. Fantastic. So Jesus said the temple was going to be knocked down and destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. It was really kind of a scary thing for Jesus to tell his closest friends that the temple was going to be knocked down and destroyed. But also, he says, not just that, but one day in the future, everything in the world is going to change in a fundamental way, and and kingdoms, are it's going to be like they fall to the ground, and what lasts is the kingdom of God. So, at Christmas, what do we do? Celebrate. Celebrate? Anybody else? What else do we do? Christmas. Open pre- and why do we open presents at Christmas? Because Black Friday sales. <laughs> Obviously. Why do we open presents at Christmas? To celebrate the present of God. Well, well done, pastor's kid. Um, uh, we celebrate the gift that Jesus has come to us. But also in Advent, we don't just celebrate that Jesus has come to us in the past. We also remember and celebrate, and this this might be hard for some of us grown-ups to think about celebrating that Jesus is coming back. Jesus has come to us, and Jesus is coming back. Now, when Jesus came the first time, it was a disruption for some people. The people who were in power, the people who had been living selfishly, the people who, who were very content in their own lives and their own strength, they were a little disrupted when Jesus came the first time. And you know what? Advent is the season to ask ourselves the question, are we going to be a a bit disrupted if the kingdom that we're clinging to is shaken a little bit when Jesus Jesus returns? So that's what I want to talk to you about. Jesus and his closest friends are walking in the city of Jerusalem, and they're walking by the temple, which in Jerusalem, the temple was one of the most important places. Now, most of them had come from a much smaller place. They grew up in in a small town called Galilee. And when they come from Galilee to Jerusalem, they see the temple, and it's like 
Imagine if you came, if you lived in a small, small town and you traveled to that small, from that small town to New York City. People do this this time of year all the time. They come to see the big tree at Rockefeller Center. They come to see the Empire State Building. They come to see the lights on Fifth Avenue to take carriage rides in Central Park. And they come to see a huge statue that's out in, in the harbor down from New York City. Who, what kid can tell me a huge statue in New York City? What is it? Statue. Of, oh, it was on the. Was it on the screen when they answered? Wow. Sorry, that was meant to be a quiz. So, how many of you guys have seen the Statue of Liberty up close and personal? Hands, grown-ups, I'm asking you too. Okay. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. A lot of you've seen it. Good. So I'm not just referencing something that's really obscure. Statue of Liberty. My wife uh, had friends who used to come every year, and they did clogging in front of the Statue of Liberty to raise money for their clogging team. All right. <laughs> Let me tell you something that you'll learn if you see the Statue of Liberty up close, and you might not know this. She has huge toes. <laughs> Literally massive toes. Toes as big as a person. Can you imagine how hard it is for the Statue of Liberty to get shoes on Christmas? Yeah, it's hard. That's how hard it is, okay? They're as big as a grown-up person. This is a grown-up person in time when there weren't color photographs. And look at that middle toe. It's so long. So, Jesus' closest friends are walking by the temple, and it's like they're seeing the Statue of Liberty's toes for the first time. They're like, look at those toes! Except they don't say, look at those toes. They say, look at those stones! Because the temple was built at a time before they had the tools for how they built the Statue of Liberty or how they built the Empire State Building. They used these big cranes to put the heavy blocks on top. But back in those days, they didn't have the big uh, cranes. So it was an amazement to see how did these huge stones, and they even called the, to- the stones Herodian stones because they were so massive. And this madman named Herod had helped to build the temple with these huge stones. And he, had, he was a, sort of a, a genius of design before his time. And he helped to build these stones, which you can still see this day in the Temple Mount in Jerusalem at the, at the Wailing Wall. The huge Herodian stones. And so what the disciples, they're walking by this amazing site, and they say this to Jesus, look at these stones, they're so beautiful. And Jesus says, as impressive as that is, let me tell you something else, something more impressive. It says, as, as impressive as this is, this is not actually going to last. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and the gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Now, imagine you heard that. And the disciples asked, Jesus' friends asked the very next question, When? When on earth is that going to happen? Because the temple was this important place where people came to meet with God, where people came to solidify that they're God's people, that he's called them, that, that he's brought them together. And the temple was this hugely important national symbol for the people of Israel. And to hear this temple is going to be torn down would have, been, would have been scary news for them. And so they said, well, we want to know when this thing is going to happen. And so Jesus begins to tell them. He says, as big and impressive as these stones are, they're not going to be here forever. And as big and impressive as the things that we see in our city are, they're not going to last as long as God's kingdom lasts. And so that's where we get 
our title for this series, Unexpected Jesus. Jesus comes and he brings hope, but he doesn't bring it in the way that we might expect. He doesn't say everything that you're used to, everything that you like is going to continue exactly as you like. No, he says the kingdom of God is going to come and shake the kingdom of this world. And what's going to be left is the kingdom of God. Every kingdom is going to eventually crumble that's not the kingdom of God. So I just want to tell you a couple of short things that Jesus says to his closest friends about this. One, he says, I understand. He basically acknowledges that we really want to know what's going to happen. That's true for children and adults. Tell me what's going to happen. The second thing he tells them is some things are going to last and some things aren't going to last. Question? It's going to be answered. I feel like it. And then you can talk to me at lunch, all right? (laughs) Being in relationship with Jesus is our hope, okay? So really quickly, those three things. So the disciples really want to know what's going to happen. This reveals something about our human nature. We want to know what's going to happen so we can make adjustments, so that we can plan for things. Sometimes when that drifts even too far so that we can control things, so that we can make sure the outcomes of our world are outcomes that we're comfortable with that we would choose. That's an understandable question. My son Elijah, who's, who's here this morning, I told him on his, uh, the, the day before his birthday this year, he's turning nine, I said, we're going to go somewhere very special tomorrow morning. And he started casually, he's like, where, where are we going to go? And I was like, I'm not telling you, it's a surprise. He's like, no, come on, tell me. I was like, I'm not telling you, it's a surprise. And gradually this built and built and built and built until, sorry to tell this on you, Elijah, but Elijah was almost in tears and he was saying, I don't want to go unless I know where we're going. And he's like, he is uh, our oldest son and he's the planner. He wants to be ready. He wants to lay out the sports clothes necessary for whatever we're doing. And uh, so he was like, I don't even want to go if you're not going to tell me. Because that thing is in us that we want to know what's going to happen so we can make the, the adjustments. And God knows that about our hearts. God knows, knows that about us. But Jesus tells them, hey, things are going to get really hard. There's going to be trouble in the world. He even tells them, while you guys are still alive, this temple is going to come down. Now, the reason was there was the Roman Empire, the strongest army in the world at the time, was trying to show how strong it was and that no one could challenge them. And Israel kept resisting, and so Rome sent its armies to destroy the temple. But... Jesus knew something about that big building, the temple, and its huge stones. As important as as it had been in the story of the people of God, a new way of relating to God was coming. And as the temple was going to be shaken, and the temple was, all those huge stones were going to fall on the ground, Jesus knew that eventually he was going to make people like a temple. He was going to come and fill their life with his life. And so in some way, you wouldn't even need this one building anymore because every person who is drawn into the big God story because of the rescue Jesus brings us is now filled with the life of God and we become a temple ourselves. So as important as that building with the huge stones is, now in this middle school is a temple unto God. Us as individuals who have joined with Jesus and then built together as a community of faith. And so, Jesus' friends couldn't understand all of this, right? Elijah was struggling because sometimes dads and moms know a little bit more about what's going to happen than kids do, and they have to say to kids things like, you just have to trust me. You just have to follow me. (laughs) You just have to believe that I, I am going to bring this thing to a good conclusion, and you just have to take my word on it. So, that's the first thing we see, is that Jesus is saying, we want to know what's going to happen. And then Jesus says to this, you can trust me 
Let me tell you this. Some things won't last, and God's kingdom will last. Very simple. Some things in this world are not going to last. God's kingdom is going to last. Here's how he says it. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He's telling them the temple's going to fall down and the world itself is going to change, and yet my word won't pass away. My, my word will last forever. Now, Jesus was doing something that prophets in Israel did in the, in the Hebrew prophetic tradition. They were making comments on immediate things of immediate fulfillment and things that were going to happen in the future. So how many of you guys have ever been hiking? Kids, how many of you have ever been hiking? You walking in the woods? How many of you have ever climbed up a big hill where you could see a long way off? You could see off onto the horizon. You, many of you guys have done that? Only the kids have been hiking alone. The grown-ups haven't been hiking. Okay. <laughs> So you get to the top of a peak and you can look off in the distance and if you're in a, in a range of mountains, you can see multiple peaks. I had a Bible teacher say that's one of the ways we learn to understand biblical prophecy is sometimes you have an immediate fulfillment that's the peak right next to you and then you look down the, the ridge of the mountains and there's multiple fulfillments of these words. So Jesus is saying, hey, part of what I'm saying is going to happen before your generation is over. You guys are going to see this temple fall, but... I'm also going to come and literally shake every kingdom in this world, and what's going to last is the kingdom of God. So what do we mean when we say every other kingdom? Well, we mean kingdoms that are built on selfishness. We have a saying in our house, when you're selfish, you lose. When you fight, you know that? You've heard that before? When you fight just for yourself, you always lose the thing you were after. When you're selfish, you lose. So kingdoms that are built on selfishness, kingdoms that are built on hatred and meanness, kingdoms that are built on people getting power by hurting others, kingdoms that are greedy and just want more and more and more. Like we can get that way even around Christmas sometimes, like right? where you open a gift and you look at it and all you care about is the next gift, right? Instead of saying, wow, what is this thing? It's beautiful. It's a gift. Someone gave this to me out of love, right? We can get that way. These, we can build these kingdoms in our heart that are sort of propped up on selfishness or greed. Kingdoms that don't have love. Basically this. Kingdoms where people try to be God instead of God is God. Those kingdoms are not going to last. And Jesus says literally heaven and earth will change and pass away, but my word, my kingdom will last forever. So, we want to know what's happened. Jesus is saying, my kingdom's going to last. So how do we know, kids, adults, parents, everyone, how do we know how to participate in God's kingdom? And Jesus gives us a clue to that very thing at the end of his conversation with his friends. He says this, being in relationship with Jesus is our hope. Guys, I want to tell you something about the big God story. Kids, everyone, I want to tell you something. Before you were born, God knew you. When you were in your mommy's tummy, God put you together. That's what the Psalms say. That he has a plan for you. That he loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And that he's saying to you, I've made you in my image. What does that mean? It means God made us in some ways to be like him. We're going to live forever. There's parts of us that are going to go on and on. That's what, that's what heaven is about, is being with God forever. And Jesus says that that is what we have our hope in. We have our hope in being with him. But in order to, in order to, to, to live that way, right... 
Jesus gives us a, a warning. He says, I want you to be careful because it can be easy to forget how much God loves you. It can be easy to start building those other kingdoms of selfishness or meanness or greed or hatred or just human achievement. It's easy to build all those other kingdoms and I want you to remember that that's not what you were made for. Now, I got a question for you kids. How many of you, your parents have told you not to do something at some point and then they came into the room and saw you doing that something. Have you ever had that happen? Uh, anybody over here had that happen? Sorry to pick on you guys. Luke, you know what that's like, right? Mom and dad have said, for instance, don't jump on the couch or no food in this area. And then they come in the room and they say, what are you doing? Or maybe they're a lot calmer and better parents. And they're like, what are you doing? And you have a feeling, right? Remember that? That feeling when your parents catch you doing something you know you're not supposed to do and you're like, oh, you want to hide that thing. <laughs> you don't want them to see. Or you want to say, no, 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 I was doing it because this. And you want to have it. And God says, we do that with him as well. There are certain ways of living that aren't what's best for us. And when we do them, we feel like we want to hide from God and we want to make excuses and we want to basically take control again. And he's saying, be careful of those ways. Be careful of being, of letting people influence your life that will help, that will make you forget God. Now I want to ask you another question. Have you, have you ever had your parents come and find you doing something that you were supposed to do? They said, I want you to clean your room. And then you go back there and clean it. And then they come in and say, oh my goodness, this room looks as good as it ever has. Have you ever had that happen? Or, or, or your, your parents say, I want you to do your math homework and your reading. And you come back and they say, have you done your math homework? Yes. Have you done your reading? Yes. And your, your mom or dad is so happy that you did the thing they asked. And then you're so happy because you did the thing they asked. And you know what? And then there's just embraces of love. We're not taking questions now, Luke. <laughs> so Jesus says, hey, be careful. Don't do the things that I've told you are going to weigh your life down. They're going to make you forget what the most important things are. Instead, watch and pray. That's what Jesus says to his closest friends. Watch and pray. What do you think God can mean when he says watch and pray? I'll take a kid or a grown-up on this. What does it mean when he says watch and pray? Watch and pray. Oh, my goodness. We've got a literalist in the back at the board. <laughs> but he's right. It means Look for the ways God's at work in the world. Train your eyes, train the gaze of your soul, train your spirit, train, be, be in community looking for the, the ways that God's at work in the world and then pray. When you've got something on your mind, kids, do you know this? When you've got something on your mind, you can always tell it to God. Thank you. One of the things that we do, sometimes you know how you're going to bed and the lights are off and you might feel a little bit afraid because mom and dad have left the room. Well, one thing we say in our house is we say a really short prayer, which is when I am afraid, I trust in you. Okay, <laughs> Luke is verifying everything vocally. Just, you know what, put it in your journal, buddy, and we'll talk about it after. Um, <laughs> when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Jesus says that to his closest friends. Come and tell me everything that's on your mind and heart. Learn to speak to God and let, let God speak back to you and learn to hear his voice. That is how we stay in tune with the kingdom that's coming that will never pass away. 
Otherwise, it's so easy for our hearts to get caught up in the kingdoms that are passing away. Watch and pray. Look to see the places God is at work in the world. Keep talking to God about what's in your heart. Let him speak to you. Here's what we have to do at at Advent. We have to learn to wait with God for God. We have to learn to wait with God for God. We're waiting for God's kingdom to come, but we're not doing that alone. We're doing it with him. Advent is a season where we remember that we need God, where we remember our world needs God. And one day, we're going to stand before God and stand with God. So today, we cry the cry of Advent. Kids, do you guys know what the cry of Advent is? Let me tell you. Come, Lord Jesus. Kids, I want you to say that with me. Come, Lord Jesus. Now, everyone, like a child, come, Lord Jesus. One more time. Come, Lord Jesus. That is what we say in our hearts at Advent. Come, Lord Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for our children being with us. Thank you so much um, for the hearts of faith represented here. May we be a community with with our faith, with our obedience, with our worship, with our lives together that says, come, Lord Jesus. Into all the shaky, unstable places of our life, into all the kingdoms that we have built that are not going to last, that are built on sand, we say, come, Lord Jesus. Have your way in us. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Guide us in this Advent season to learn to wait for you. In Jesus' name, amen.